Well, welcome everybody. We have seven hours and 35 minutes until the new year. I, yeah, what an awesome thing. I know that many people across the world have already rung in the new year, uh, but we here in Colorado, people attending online that are here in our local time zone, uh, we're gearing up for a new year, 2017. I cannot believe it. Uh, 2017 is just a few hours away. You know, we say this every year, and maybe you are very much like our family or our church, um, and that is that time seems to just speed up. Every year seems to go by faster than the previous year, and I think 2016 uh, is very much the same, that somehow uh, something miraculous happened this year, and we lost time, um, and I lost track of time, and the fact that we are all going to be entering into a new year really quickly is just kind of crazy. I don't know if it's crazy to you. It's crazy to me to think that next year is 2017, or next, next year, yeah, next year is 2017, um, but soon to be 2018, because we're going to be entering into the new year, and I realize as well, um, you know, we just have a few short hours to get together all of our New Year's resolutions and all the things that we want to hold on to in faith to see God do in 2017. And we've done that as well as a church. And I want to talk this weekend, and we're going to be talking across all of our campuses as Campus Pastor Weekend, uh, about the new things that God has for us. We believe God has wonderful new things for us as a church. I also want to say that I believe that God has wonderful new things for you personally, for your family, for everything that he's involved in in your life, for our world, for the community at large of believers that call JFC their home, people around the world um, that follow Christ. I believe God has wonderful, amazing new things for them. Amen? What an awesome thing that we get to enter into. But I also want to, before we talk about those new things, we want to take a moment to do something across all of our locations, all of our campuses, everybody listening online, um, getting ready to enter into a new year and do something that's a little bit countercultural. And we are actually going to take a moment to look backwards. All right? So I want you guys to follow me on this. And um, we spent a lot of time this year, and many of you guys, and we're going to celebrate this here in a few minutes, went through uh, a class, a series of classes that we called our Discovery Track. And within that Discovery Track, there was something awesome that uh, I personally felt like the Lord shared with me, and something that if you attended a Discovery Track that I taught, you probably heard me say these words before to you in those classes, and that is that we really live in a very consumer-centric society. We live in an awesome place, a very affluent, wonderful world. Um, we live in the United States of America, the most affluent nation in all of the world around us. Within that, we live in the great state of Colorado. I don't know if you know this, but Colorado has um, one of the greatest levels of affluency in all of the other states uh, that call the United States home. And then you kind of drill down, and I know many of you, most of you live somewhere in one of the few counties that surround here our Lone Tree campus. We, in Lone Tree, are planted in Douglas County, uh, one of the most affluent counties that exists within this state. And then you talk about Lone Tree in and of itself. If, if you are privileged um, to live here in Lone Tree, you live in the top of the top of the world. And we live in this awesome place, and God has blessed us, and what an awesome richness that we get to share. And I think that we live in a place where um, it's important for us to thank God for the great blessings that we have, uh, to not take them for advantage. Um, but we live in a, in a culture, in a society, in a world um, that because we do have so much affluency around us, and um, because there is so much that's thrown at us with popular media and television and all the things that are uh, really constantly being fed to us through media avenues and channels, they're always constantly saying to us, you need the new thing. You need the next thing. 
Uh, a rhetorical question here in this room. How many of you guys here in this room or maybe listening online have an iPhone 7 that just came out a few months ago? You don't have to raise your hands. But I want to let you know that your iPhone 7 is already old. It is. I don't know if you knew this, but Apple has already been working on that next generation of smartphone. If you go and you Google it, you can go find out what all these people think that new generation of smartphone is going to be. And in September of 2017, which is just a few short hours away, 2017, in September, your new iPhone 7 is going to matter not any, at, at all anymore. It's, it's not even going to work anymore. So you might as well just start <laughs> preparing for that next model of iPhone, right? Because the new thing is only new for a very short amount of time. The world at large is constantly saying, hey, don't look backwards, look forwards, because the new thing's coming. Forget about the old, in with the new. Out with the old, in with the new. Out with the old, in with the new. And I think that's actually a very common thought as we enter into a new year. Hey, awesome, see you later 2016, hello 2017. And what that's done is it's bred a culture of people, specifically in the society that we live in right now, but even it's a global epidemic of people that have lost gratitude for the great blessings that they have. They're ready to move on to the new house or to the new car or to the new wife and family, to the new job. I don't know what it may be, but so many people are just saying, I'm gonna move forward, I'm gonna move on and forget about all the other things behind me. But what I think the Lord says is, we have to operate outside of this culture of consumerism, the society of consuming, consuming, consuming so that I can please myself and make myself feel good and think about that next new thing. And we got to put that to bed for a little while. And we need to take a moment to look back. In fact, I don't think that God just says that this is a good thing. Um, it's something that's actually lined out in his word. It's something that's historical, that God's people, his children, his followers have done for centuries. And I'm going to take you very quickly into a portion of Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you guys have your Bibles, you could turn to that. I believe it's on your notes as well. And we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 10 through 12. Just a preface of this Scripture very quickly. Um, the chosen people, God's chosen people, the Israelites, are preparing to enter into the promised land, the land of Israel that he has given to his children. But you got to think about the position that they've, they've been in. For the last 40 years, they were released from the captivity and the bondage of the Egyptians and the slavery that they were. But for the last 40 years, they have been wandering around in this desert trying to find this promised land. And when we come to this version of this portion in scripture, we come to the last moment of God delivering them from the hands of some enemies, the last moment that they experience right before they cross into the promised land. And so we're going to jump into the scripture, follow along with me really quickly. It says this. It says just as Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines arrived to attack Israel. But the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day, and the Philistines were thrown into such confusion that the Israelites defeated them. The men of Israel chased them from Mizpah to a place below beth slaughtering them all the way down. And then this portion, Samuel, the one who's leading God's people, the one who's leading the Israelites, then took a large stone, and he placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah, and he named that stone Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. 
Now, if you continue on in scripture, one of the things that's amazing that you find is that what Samuel did here and what he led the Israelites in is something that was done multiple times, over and over and over again. And they would physically, Samuel in this case, would physically go, and after this great victory that the Lord had provided for him and for the Israelites, he would take this stone and he would place it in a very strategic position. And oftentimes in scripture, when you read about these stones that were placed there, sometimes it's a stack of stones, scripture oftentimes says, and that stone is there to this day to serve as a remembrance of what God did. What an awesome thing that Samuel understood. He knew that there was more to be done, there was more to go, that they hadn't even yet entered into God's promised land for them, but because of the great victory that God gave them against the Philistines, he knew it was important to take a moment to stop and to honor God for what he's done. And church, I want to beckon you to do that in your life. I think that we all have in our lives certain things that we could see uh, historically as these Ebenezers in our life, these things that we have that are remembrances of great things that have happened, and even sometimes remembrances of painful things that have happened, and the faithfulness of God navigating us through those. You know, I realize that I'm speaking to a very broad audience this weekend, and not everybody's 2016 was easy. Not everybody's 2016 was simple and blessed, and, you know, you, you, when you look back, maybe there's some painful memories there. And I want to just very quickly pause and just say, where was God in the midst of those things? Because while your situations and while your circumstances don't always in this life work out the way that we desire them, and oftentimes there's pain that surrounds them, God never left your side. And if you look back, God never abandoned you. He never forsaken you. He never left your side. And even though maybe you walked and you felt like you were walking through the valley of the shadow of death in 2016, and it's hard for you to even think about looking into a new year and having hope, I want to let you know your hope is not found just in what happened, but it's found in the fact that God has been with you the whole time. He has. Have hope. Because God is a God who's always moving. We're going to get into that here in a moment. He's always looking for that new thing to bring us and to bless us in. But many of us had awesome years. Many of us had wonderful things to uh, hold on to, great things and successes and blessings and wonderful life-giving things and these Ebenezers that we hold on to. Oftentimes we have them in like photo albums or we have little remembrances of things that have happened in our lives in the past and we look at those every once in a while and they bring back great memories. In fact, I actually have one with me today, uh, an Ebenezer of sorts that I brought that I thought um, many of you, most of you probably would appreciate and enjoy and I'm actually wearing it. So I'm gonna give you guys just a moment really quickly to see my Ebenezer that I'm wearing. <laughs> Super Bowl 50 champs. Woo! Yeah. Right? Come on. Listen, I know that looking ahead, we all realize that they ain't going to be Super Bowl 51 champs. It's not going to happen. There's another team that I'm not going to name um, that I think might win that, and uh, they're my boys. Um, but the reality is, is, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. This t-shirt, many other things that we have are these pieces of memorabilia serve as these Ebenezers, as the remembrances of great things that have happened. It doesn't mean that everything was perfect. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna be perfect, case in point. 
the season for the Broncos this year. But it does mean that it's important for us to set markers in life to remember the great things that God has done in our lives. And even through the difficult pieces, setting markers in our life to look back and make time to recognize that God never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's never abandoned us. And in high things and low things and good things and bad things, God has brought us through this year. One thing that I know that is the same for everybody who's listening to this or everybody who is here in person is God has carried us up to this point because you are here and he has allowed that. And that is worthy of celebrating. You know, there are two ways that I would love to encourage you, maybe within your home or with your spouse or with your children if you have them, or maybe a friend or somebody that's close to you, two great ways to set in remembrance of what God has done this year in your life personally, and that is one, to write it down, and two, to tell it to somebody. Because before we can move forward, we need to set these stones in place, things that a year from now, or two years from now, or three years from now, we can look back and we can see that Ebenezer, we can see that stone of remembrance that was put in place and say, look what God did. And I could tell you, and I know this just because I am guilty of this personally, if you don't write it down, if you don't share it, if you move on, you don't have something to remember it by, you will forget. Other things will happen, hard times will come, and it will be so easy to forget all the great things that God has done. And so we both do that personally, but we also do that corporately. And I wanted to just take a moment to share with you all the amazing things that God has done in you, through you, and through your church Um, the body of Christ that makes up Jubilee Fellowship Church, some awesome things that God has done this year. And I wanna start out with salvations because I think that is the most important thing that God has done in the midst of his children here. You know, salvations are something that are often hard to track. Somebody giving their life to the Lord, unless they've told you that they've given their life to the Lord, we do our best diligence to make sure that we can track those numbers. And one of the ways that we track those numbers is based upon um, the booklets that we give out. They're called Path of Life booklets or Salvation booklets. Many of you have received those. Um, And we recognize this is not a perfect number because sometimes people take multiple ones or they take them for their friends or things. But um, we think that this is an appropriate number that at least represents the amount of people who took a step forward to say, that's what I want. And I wanna at least know some more information about that. And across all of our campuses, across all of our services, Easter and Christmas recently included, we gave out over 425 salvation booklets in the midst of the body of Christ here, which is something awesome. It is something awesome. If even half of those people gave their lives to the Lord, church, was it worth the 215 people that gave their lives this year? Absolutely it was. It's worthy of praise, and we set that as a stone of remembrance. We had over 133 people that were baptized at JFC across 2016. What an amazing thing. If you went to Life Day, you got to witness almost 100 of those. What an awesome celebration. Not just the people giving their lives to the Lord, but people... um, professing with their mouth publicly what they have done without any reservation. I talked recently about our Discovery Track classes. It was something that we felt like the Lord called us to specifically in 2016 to run after. This process of becoming disciples, greater followers of Christ who are out there um, not just proclaiming the work of Jesus, but actually being the hands and the feet of Jesus within and throughout this church. And we had over 650 people attend our Discovery Track classes throughout the year. So thank you. On behalf of the body of Christ, uh, we believe that we heard from the Lord as we led out that initiative, but you are the ones who stepped into that. 
and who said, yes, this is what God is doing, and we will forever remember this, and I hope that you forever remember what God uh, has done in your church as well as in you personally through that. Missions is a huge piece of what we do as a church, both local and global missions. Uh, we invest heavily in it, and there, were over, uh, there was over $840,000 this year um, that Jubilee Fellowship Church invested locally and globally to move the ministry of Jesus Christ forward. Things that did not have the JFC stamp on them necessarily, but it was going out and being the hands and the feet of Jesus, loving the world around us. 186 people took short-term mission trips from Jubilee Fellowship Church. They went to 15 different nations um, and they went out there and they spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but earlier in this year, if you were around, we talked about some of the strategies of how God has redirected where we've gone. And those 15 nations aren't just 15 random nations that we picked off the face of a map, but there are 15 nations where the gospel needed to be preached, where some of the greatest darkness in this world exists. And, and so we sent 186 people this year to those 15 nations. Many of you in this room went and you served and you became the hands and the feet and the light of Jesus in those places, and we think that's amazing. Um, and we also supported uh, 14 missionaries, full-time missionaries, um, that are long-term in these areas, that we are sowing seeds. You are sowing seeds of investment into these people and allowing the ministry of Jesus Christ to happen in these areas. And it's so powerful. Here locally, um, there are too many things to list that happens. Um, oftentimes it happened in small groups of people who call JFC home and you gathered together and you went out there and you became the love of Jesus to people in our local community. Uh, I know for sure that there were 124 youth that went on a Denver mission trip this year and they rocked downtown Denver. Um, they actually fed over 2,500 people in that week. And that was a one week time span where over 2,500 people who really needed, uh, who had empty stomachs and empty bellies um, and oftentimes um, empty hearts spiritually needed to be fed and nourished both physically as well as spiritually. And you guys allowed that to happen. And that's something amazing. And then just recently, the numbers are coming in. I don't have the exact hard number yet, but we're just on the other side of Christmas. And Angel Tree was a really big thing that we did. And I don't know if you watch Channel 7 News, um, and I just want to let you know um, that they actually, Channel 7 News actually came here to our Lone Tree campus, and they did a whole spot on Channel 7 News about Angel Tree and how God was using Jubilee Fellowship Church and more so the people who called Jubilee Fellowship Church home to go out there and bless these children whose parents are incarcerated with an awesome Christmas. And so if you missed it, go on Channel 7 News and check it out. Um, but there were over, it's somewhere in the neighborhood, but I know it's over 700 gifts were given out this year through Angel Tree alone. And God is doing amazing things. He has done amazing things. And I just want to share that information. I know stats sometimes go way over our heads, and I don't want to inundate you with those kinds of things. As a pastor, I love to hear those things. I love to see those things. But I really want to let you know that those things don't exist if it weren't for you. None of those things would have happened if it weren't for the body of Christ that called this church home. And for you who understand what it means to go out there and be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to invite your friends and your neighbor to services, to come and to be part of what God is doing here corporately. And I wanna encourage you to both corporately as well as personally, like I said, to take these stones of remembrance and to place them down and to look at them and for us to praise God and say, God, you are so good. God, you are so good for what you have done this year. 
to not just like culture says, move on to that next thing, move on to that new thing, move on to that better thing and forget about the old. Don't forget about the old. Let's look at that and let's set stones of remembrance as we move forward into the future because I believe that honoring and celebrating the past can be encompassed in one phrase and that phrase and that word, or not one phrase, one word, and that word is the word praise. If we honor and we celebrate the past, what we do is we praise God for what he has done. We praise him for his faithfulness and ultimately praise positions our hearts to be able to build faith. Without praise, we forget. Without praise, we move on. Without remembering the great things that God has done. But with praise, we can position our hearts in places for God to move in other powerful ways and have faith in that. And as we have faith and we establish that in our lives, then we can start to look forward into what God has. And we've been doing that as a church. Um, Ultimately, what we're doing is we are looking ahead with confidence. Looking ahead with confidence. God wants you and he wants me and he wants us as a church to look ahead with confidence. Not just to stare into 2017 blankly hoping that things are going to go well. Not just saying, well, okay, I see all the things that have happened in the past or the faithfulness of God or maybe even the difficulties that I've experienced and I look forward into 2017 and I'm not really sure what I see. I walk in with hesitation, with fear, with timidity. And I realize that that's oftentimes how we operate. But what I believe that God wants us to do is to look ahead with confidence. So I wanna ask you two questions really quickly. What are you looking forward to in 2017? I want you to write this down. Maybe you've not even thought about this. You've got a few hours to think about this. And maybe we even give you a few more if you need a few more days. But what are you looking forward to in 2017? The second question is really like the first. But ultimately, it's what do you have confidence in as you look forward into 2017? Because I believe that if you cannot answer that question, it's going to be very difficult for you to have faith for what God wants to do in that year. I believe God wants to speak. I just recently taught a message um, from this pulpit just a few weeks ago on faith and about hearing from God. And God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to every single one of us in this room to help build and establish confidence and faith for what he has for us here in the future as we look forward to this new year. And so you need to be able to answer those questions. Boiled down, it's really what we have done and what we do as a church and kind of a stamp of what God has said to us about Jubilee Fellowship Church, and that is that we are to be a place where people can both discover and recover the promises of God for their lives. Discover and recover the promises of God for their lives. You've probably heard us say that before from this pulpit. You've heard us say it in classes or other things that we've done. But that truly is what we believe we are called to do as a church. You see, I don't want to just say it. We do not as a church just want to say it but we do have to say it, but we want you to believe it, that God is for you. God is for you. God is not against you. He's not out to get you. Pastor John says all the time, if God was out to get you, you would have been got. He's God. God is not against you. God is for you. He has purposes and plans and promises and desires for you that far supersede anything that you could ever imagine. So if you're staring into a new year thinking, there's nothing for me there, then you're not hearing from God because God is for you and he has great things prepared. He has wonderful promises for you. He has wonderful promises, not that 
not just new promises for you, but he has things that he has already spoken to you that I want to encourage you to hold on to. These are the promises that we currently hold in our hands. Sometimes they're the promises that have been even given to us by God, and they now need to be recovered because of something that tried to steal those things away. But they are promises that are never void. God's promises for you are perfect, and his ability to help and allow those things to be fulfilled in your life are perfect as well. In fact, write it down because it's not in your notes. I'm going to read you very quickly a passage of scripture that I want you to hold on to if you're struggling with this and having faith in God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, tells us very directly, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Church, if God promised you something and you still have yet to see that, hold on to that promise because he will fulfill his promises in your life. How? I don't know. When? I don't know. Where? I don't know. Through who? I don't know. But God does. And God is faithful. What are the promises that God has spoken to you that you need to hold on to? But it's not just the promises that he's already spoken to us. I believe that what God has called us to do is to also discover some of the great new things he has for us in our lives. Some of the great new things that he has for us personally, some of the great new things that he has for us as a church corporately. Those are the new promises that God has for your life. They're not new to him, but they're new to us. They're new to you, and God is speaking those things. And I believe as we look into a new year, there are new things that God wants to speak to you. There are new promises that he wants to give to you to hold on to. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. A prophetic word from Isaiah to the Israelites, but I don't think it's void just because it was written hundreds of years ago. I believe it is the same for us today. Isaiah says this, and this is actually the word of God being spoken through Isaiah. For I, God, am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Did you know it? Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you didn't feel it. Maybe you haven't experienced it, but God has been paving the way. He's been preparing that new thing. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You know, for those of us who, maybe there have been some pretty major speed bumps that we hit this year. Some difficulties, maybe some tragedies even. I wanna let you know that God has new promises and those promises include him putting a river of life the barren desert that maybe you've been walking through. His promises are so good for us that he can turn dry, arid land where sometimes we feel like we've been abandoned by God. And sometimes when we look into a new year and we don't even know what to expect in that experience, is it gonna be another one of these years? God's promises are so good and his capability to fulfill those promises are so wonderful that he can turn a desert into a living, thriving area. What are you holding on to? I think about it in this way. You know, if I were to ask you the question, and I love to ask questions that really that don't have legit answers, um, just to confuse you a little bit, but if you've ever been rock climbing and your goal was to get from the ground to the top of a climbing wall or maybe even an actual rock face, and you began climbing and I asked you, okay, which one of your two hands is more important right now? The one holding on to the rock or the one reaching up for a new rock 
Which one of those two is more important? Could you answer me? If your goal is to get to the top, both hands are as equally important. You can't let go of one rock to reach up to a new one because then you'll fall. But at the same time, you can't hold on to a rock and not have another hand to reach up to continue to move to the higher height that you've been called to go to. And I look at this as these promises that God has given us. Oftentimes, God has given us promises that we need to hold on to. He's called us to go up there, and we're not up there yet. But as he walks us through this process, he's given us promises to hold on to, things that he has already spoken, and then things to reach for. Things that maybe we don't even know what this looks like, what this sounds like, what even is there. But God has called us to reach higher because his new promises for us will continue to allow us to be elevated in what he's called us to do. And church, God has called you to get there. And the only way to get there is to go higher and to reach for those great promises that God has for you in your life. He's called us to do that corporately as a church too. I fully believe this. We stand in a place where we have and still are in some ways moving and positioning people within our church and our staff. You've heard about many of these things happening. None of it's new. Um, Pastor DJ going over to the Lakewood campus because Pastor Evan and Emily Martin are going to start in a church, which we've blessed and we've uh, commissioned them to go do that. Pastor Rob and Amy Painter stepping up to become, and I know many of these names don't mean a whole lot to some people if you consider Lone Tree home, but they should mean a lot to us because they mean that the gospel is moving forward and God is positioning people. And Pastor Rob and Amy Painter have stepped in and taken over to the Castle Rock campus and we've seen different people in different positions um, move throughout this because God is getting ready for a new thing. God is preparing us. We are reaching right now. And while we haven't grabbed that stone yet, we haven't grabbed that next rock to move higher as a church, God has said, reach right now. Reach in faith that that new thing is happening. We believe as a church that part of that new thing is a new campus in 2017. As we look forward, it hasn't happened yet. Things aren't together yet. People aren't meeting yet. But we believe God has called us to launch this Parker campus, Parker Aurora campus in 2017. And so it takes a leap of faith. It takes a stretching and a reaching for us as a church. But boy, do we know that God has something awesome there for us. For us. For us as a church, the body of Christ here. Regardless of whether you plan on going to that campus or not, it is an amazing thing that God is doing in our midst because it proves the faithfulness of God and that people are moving forward, that people are receiving the gospel message of Jesus Christ every single weekend and every single day through those who call Jubilee Fellowship Church home. And we celebrate that. And as we move forward and we look ahead with confidence, as we prepare, as we hold on to the promises that he's given us, but also reach for the new thing, for those new promises that he has for us, God has called us to follow him ultimately in faith and in wisdom. Just a few weeks ago, actually, God in one of my quiet times with him, he said very personally to me, but I think that it, it, it very much works out in this position, talking about following God in faith and wisdom. He said, Marcus, I'm not, I'm not a formula that you can figure out. You can't, you can't read enough about me or hear enough about how I've operated or even look and see what I have done historically through this world and think that you can figure me out as a formula. Make me operate in a way 
that if you do this and this and this, then this will be the conclusion. I'm not a formula to be figured out. And really, I'm not an object for you to hold on to tangibly or tightly. What I felt like the Lord said to me, and the reason I share it with you is because I want to encourage you to chew on this and maybe wrestle with this, but God, what God spoke to me personally, he said, Marcus, I am a person to be experienced. Don't try to spend your time figuring me out. As you're reaching for that rock, don't try to calculate exactly what it's going to look like or how it's going to work or operate. Don't even try to, in confidence, believe that you can hold on tangibly because you need to operate. When I speak and when I move, you need to operate and follow me in faith and wisdom. I am something to be experienced. I liken it to this idea. My wife actually is the one who, um, we, were taught, we were trying to think, how do you, how do you um, express this, what, what I felt like God was saying, in a way that makes sense? And, and I think that this maybe makes sense in an explanation. How would you describe love to somebody who's never experienced love? Could you truly boil it down to a formula? Well, this is what love is like. Here's what it feels like, and here's how it operates, and here's how it makes you think, and here's how it makes your heart work, and here's how the emotions that come up with it operate. You know, it's different for each person, right? Love is something that's not always experienced the same way with all the same people. And so trying to express to somebody and uh, really tell them what love is without them ever having actually experienced, it will always fall flat until that person experiences love. You can't come up with some great definition of love that's going to allow somebody to be like, oh, I got it. I understand now. No, you don't, because you'll never understand love until you've been able to receive it. Once you've been able to receive love, then you realize how unexplainable it is. And I believe that that's very much the same way that God operates in our lives. While I can stand up here and we can stand up here week after week, day after day, year after year, talking about this God in heaven who has purposes and plans and promises and good things for you and that he's not against you and he's not out to hurt you. He's out to elevate you and give you great blessings in your life unless you're experiencing that person of Jesus Christ, that person of God, then it's just a bunch of information that falls flat that will never live up to what God truly wants you to have and that is a daily experience with him. And as we navigate that, then we are able to follow him in faith, and in wisdom. There are two words in the Hebrew that the Bible translate oftentimes, translates oftentimes as the word word, the word of God. You may have heard this before. Two major translations in the Greek, sorry. And one of them is logos, spelled L-O-G-O-S, logos. That is the appropriate pronunciation, just so you know. Logos. And logos is, is oftentimes the one that you see the most in Scripture. And that logos is the written word of God right here. This is the logos. This is what God has given us as a guide and a source in our lives to be able to live lives of wisdom. We can go and we can understand what living out in wisdom looks like because we have this written word and God has commissioned us to live by his Logos word. He's commissioned us to use this as the foundation and platform that we build our lives on in understanding do we or do we not do this or go there or operate in this way. 
But there's another word for word that the Bible uses, and it's the word rhema. It's used less often, but it transcends the definition of just operating in wisdom from what was given to us. But it is operating in faith by what God is speaking to us. This Lagos word guides us in wisdom. And church, if this word is not here, not just here, but if this word is not here, wisdom will be nearly impossible for you to live your life by. But God has called us to both live in wisdom by his written word and in faith by the word that he speaks through the power of his Holy Spirit. God is speaking to you. God is speaking to us. And as we operate, God has called us to operate in great faith. The last scripture that I want to read to you, and then we're going to conclude here, is Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And it says this. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days after, the Israelite officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. And then this, since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark, and make sure that you don't come any closer. Church, as we look into a new season, and as we look into a new year, and we look into the new things that God is leading us into, what I believe God is saying to us is, listen, don't go ahead of me, because you've never been this way before. The new things that I have for you are just that. They're new. And so the thing that we're supposed to walk after, the thing that we're supposed to run after as we see these new things and position ourselves in a place to actually walk and follow those is the wisdom that's given to us through the written word of God as well as the faith that's built and established by his spoken word to our very hearts and minds. To our very hearts and minds. God is faithful. God has great things for us as a church. God has great things for you. He has great things for your family, for your children, for your lives. And whatever that may look like, God has great things for you. Follow him and experience his goodness and his love. As we prepare to close, I'm going to pray to enter into a new year with open hearts. But I thought there was this really neat response that God wanted us to walk through just very quickly here. And not to belabor the point, but I don't know if you're familiar with the Passover Seder, but it's a once a year thing that um, the, the uh, Jewish people perform. It's a Passover Seder that they do. It's a meal when they come together. And it's been done for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. There's been different pieces that have changed throughout that Seder, but oftentimes many things have remained the same. But one thing after God released his children from captivity and took them through the bondage and wandering through the desert and entering into the promised land, one thing that they have always done, God's children inside of the Passover Seder meal, is a portion right before, right after they remember, uh, they, they recall God bringing them out of the desert and out of slavery. 
And right before they go into the explanation of all the different elements of the Seder meal, they sing a song together. And the song has a title, and we're not going to sing the song together, believe me. Um, but the song has a title, and the title is Day In You. It's called The Day In You. And maybe you've heard of this before. But that word day in you, it means it would have been enough. Okay? So follow me on this really quickly. It would have been enough. And so they sing this song. And as they sing this song, it has one person leading the main part. And then all of the other people at the table who are not leading the Seder meal, they respond to whatever the person leading that song has said with the word day in you, stating it would have been enough, okay? So here's where I want to lead us really quickly, and that is a response very much like the Israelites or the Jews do every year at this Passover Seder. And that is a response from our heart, both positioning ourselves in a place of remembering the past for what God has done in our lives, and also looking forward, recognizing that God is always moving and he's never stopping even though it would have been enough for him only to do this, I can have faith in moving forward that he's going to do something else, a new thing. And that is what this day in you does. It says, you know what, God, you didn't have to do this, but you did do this, and I remember it. And it never stops. There's always something new added to this day in you. There's always something new. Every year that they came together, there could easily be a new line or different stanzas added to this because of God's faithfulness of the previous year that they had experienced. And so I want to walk uh, through this process very quickly. Five of these are actually from the original day in you that the, um, the Jewish people do traditionally. And then five of them are ones that I've added just for us corporately here as a church position us in that place. And so I'm going to read a line and all you have to do is respond with an open heart, day in you. God, it would have been enough, but yet you are so faithful to provide more. If God had just brought us out of Egypt, if God had split the sea for us, if God had provided for our needs in the wilderness, if God had brought us into the land of Israel, if God had built the temple for us, if God had given his son Jesus, if God had forgiven our sins, if God had provided us his Holy Spirit, if God had given us life eternally in heaven, if God had given us life abundantly on earth, church, it would have been enough. God is God. We are not God. If he would have stopped with the children of Israel, getting them to the promised land, it would have been enough for us, but it was never, never enough for him. God always has new things for us. May we always honor the past, recognizing, God, it would have been enough. It would have been enough if you just saved me from my sin and opened the doors of heaven, but yet you gave me life abundantly on earth. What more does God have for you? What more does God have for us? Because his faithfulness and blessings in our lives are never ending. And I pray as you look into a new year that you can have great faith and hope for the wonderful things to hold on to. While it would have been enough, God has so many wonderful things to hold on to. Would you pray with me?
God, you are so good to us. We state that very fact. It would have been enough if you would have just taken us out of the dry, arid places in life and pumped us full of your life and spirit, Lord God, but yet you provided more. It would have been enough for the sacrifice that you made of your son Jesus on the cross to save us from our lives and from our sins, and yet you still continue to move further than that, Lord God. It would have been enough if our lives and this world ended in 2016, Lord, but you still have more of your promises that you have for each and every one of us, Lord, and for our church corporately, and we hold on to those things and we say thank you in faith, Lord God, for what you desire to do. God, we both position ourselves to hold on to the great promises that you have given us for the things of the past, setting stones of remembrance, stones of praise towards you, Lord God, as well as looking forward in great hope and eager expectation for the wonderful things that you have. And God, I'm so grateful. I personally am grateful, and I speak gratitude for us corporately for the wonderful things, Lord, that we don't even know about this next year, but you do. And we walk in faith and in wisdom as we go and we seek after those things, Lord. May we not just ever have a mentality and live a life that says, out with the old and in with the new, Lord God. But as we follow into the places that are uncharted that we've never been before, Lord God, we remember your faithfulness in our lives and we look forward to the great hope that we have in the future. And we praise you, God. We praise you. We pray these things in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen.